We are in Yavamos Tezayin Amabez 16b1. In our last recording, we mentioned the machlokas, the dispute about whether or not you're allowed to accept people from Tarmud as Gerim. Are you allowed to convert people from the place of Tarmud? And the Gemara now is going to explain why would you think that you can't. One opinion says that you're allowed to convert them. They're like any other non-Jew who is allowed to convert. And there's another opinion that says that you are not allowed to convert them. Why can't you convert them? What would be the reason to say that you cannot convert them? That's what the Gemara is going to discuss right now. Mitarmud in my time alone. Why can't you convert them? So, Pligiba, Rabbi Yochanan, Vesabia. Rabbi Yochanan and Sabia have two different reasons as to why you cannot convert them. Really, it's it's for the same reason, as we will see, but it's based off two different stories. Are they descendants of one group of people, or are they descendants of a different group of people, as we will see. One opinion says that these are descendants of Avde Shlomo, of the slaves of Shlomo. And as Rashi explains, these slaves of Shlomo, who were not Jewish slaves, they were wealthy, and they were able to convince the Jewish women to marry them. And so therefore, these are descendants of a relation of, of parents who are the mother is Jewish and the father is not Jewish. And the other opinion says it's because of Benos Yerushalayim. And the Gemara is going to explain that in a minute. Who, who were these Benos Yerushalayim, the daughters of Jerusalem? So the Gemara asks, I understand the opinion that says that these are descendants from the non-Jewish slaves of Shlomo. I understand that if they are the descendants of the non-Jewish slaves of Shlomo, this opinion, who says that you're not allowed to convert them, is of the opinion that says that if you have a child from either a non-Jew or a non-Jewish slave and has a child with a Jewish woman, she is Jewish. So then this opinion says that it's a Jewish child because the mother is Jewish, but the child is a mamzer. This opinion says that the child is a mamzer, which is not the opinion that we follow. To be clear, this is not the opinion that we follow. We are of the position that if, a, if it's a non-Jewish man has a child with a Jewish woman, so then the child is kosher. It's a perfectly valid, it's, it's, it's not allowed for them to have um, sexual relations, but the child is kosher. The child is not a mamzer. But this opinion says that the child is a mamzer. And so his concern, this according to this opinion, the concern is that the children are mamzer, and that c- continues to exist for all future generations. And so the reason why you can't convert the descendants of this type of relationship is because even though it, if you were to convert them, it looks like it's unclear or not whether they're Jewish or not. They might not. They might be non-Jews. They might be Jews. If they are Jews, because we're concerned that they are children from this type of a relationship of a non-Jewish slave with a Jewish woman, uh, and if we were to convert them, so then if we convert them, meaning we're converting them, assuming that they're non-Jewish, but there's a concern that they're also Jewish. So then on that concern that they're also Jewish, they are also mamzerim, according to this opinion. And if they're mamzerim, so then we don't want to convert them, because if we convert them, people will think that the Jewish people could marry them. But it's not true, because if there's this concern that maybe they are Jewish, and if they're Jewish, then they are mamzerim, 
So then they're not allowed to marry anybody from the Jewish people. So this opinion says, don't convert them because we don't want to be in a situation where the Jewish people will say that we could go ahead and marry them like any on any other convert because maybe they're Jewish and if they're Jewish, so then they would be mamzerim and then they cannot marry into the Jewish people. So it's out of that concern that this uh, that there's an opinion that says that we do not convert them. Again, we don't convert them because there's a question, are they Jewish or are they not Jewish? We're not sure. And if they are Jewish, so then there'd be mamzerim. The opinion that argues and says that you could convert them, most probably is of the opinion that even if they're Jewish, but still they argue and they say that if you, if it's a child of a Jewish woman and a non-Jewish man, then the child is not a mamzer. And so we'll, we'll explain that uh, dispute uh, later on. But there's this dispute when you have a non-Jewish father and a Jewish mother, is the child a mamzer or not? According to the opinion, the one opinion says that the child is not a mamzer, which is why you're allowed to convert them, because even if they are Jewish, they're, they're allowed to marry into the Jewish people. The other opinion that we're explaining now is of the opinion that, no, they are, the child is a mamzer, and so therefore it's unclear whether this child, the descendants, are not Jewish or they are Jewish, and, and therefore if they're Jewish, the, they are mamzerim, they're a mamzer, and therefore they cannot enter into the Jewish people. Because of that concern, we will not convert them. Okay. All that, the Gemara says, makes sense if you say that they are Avde Shlomo, that they are descendants from the slaves of Shlomo who are not Jewish. What about Benos Yushalayim? What was, this, what was the case? What was the situation of Benos Yushalayim, of the daughters of Jerusalem? So, Pligibar Rav Yosef and Rabbanan. Rav Yosef and the Rabbanan, they argue about this, what exactly took place. But Vetarvah Mishmei the Rabbah Barachana. They both say in the name of Rabbah Barachana. Chadam Ratresa Alfei Gavre Vishita Alfei Kashtuye. One said... That the problem was created by twelve thousand um, enemies by foot. There were there were there were soldiers and six thousand archers for a, a total of eighteen thousand. The other opinion says that it was twelve thousand men, and of those twelve thousand, six thousand were archers. So we are either dealing with eighteen thousand men or we're dealing with twelve thousand men. Either way, they agree on the following. The following took place. Uh, when they were discussing here the conquering of of Yerushalayim, and it's referring to the conquering and the destruction of the first base of Megiddo, so the first temple, and when they went into the first temple, the first base of Megiddo, everyone went into the Hekal, into the base of Megiddo, but to take uh, gold and silver, but these uh, these eighteen thousand or twelve thousand, they turned to the daughters of Yerushalayim, and they uh, and they violated the Jewish women of of Yerushalayim. And what we're referring to here of the Tarmudim are their offspring, the descendants of these idolaters who went went to the women of Jerusalem and they raped the Jewish women, and they violated the Jewish women. And they lived in Tarmud. And so it's the same, essentially, it's the same halachic question as with regards to the Avde Shlomo, the slaves of Shlomo. Uh, what we have here is a child from a non-Jewish father and a Jewish mother. What is the, the halachic status of this child? And so the opinion that says that you cannot convert them is of the opinion that the, the halachic status is that they are mamzerim. The 
Uh, other opinion says that no, they're not mamzerim, and they can marry into the. This such a child can marry into the Jewish people, which is the opinion that we follow. We follow that opinion that says that if it's a Jewish mother and not a Jewish father, then they could marry um, into the Jewish people. This other opinion that's being quoted now says that no, they are mamzerim, and so therefore they cannot marry into the Jewish people. Which is why, in the scenario of the people in Tarmud, where we're not sure whether they're not Jewish or they're Jewish, and according to this opinion, if they're Jewish, they would be mamzerim. Why we're, we, that opinion says that we do not convert them, because if we were to convert them, it looks like they can marry anybody, just like any other convert, but it's not really true according to that opinion, because there's a concern that they are descendants of this relationship of a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father, and as such, they would be mamzerim according to that opinion. But again, we follow the opinion that says that that type of relationship of a, a Jewish father, of a, sorry, of a non-Jewish father and a Jewish mother, the child is not a mamzer. The child could marry um, anybody in the Jew- from, the, from the Jewish people. I just want to add one point, one added point that is not from the Gemara, uh, but it's from Tosos, but I think it's an important point, so if you get it, uh, great. Tosos asks that why would you even think that this child is a mamzer? There's an opinion that says the child is a mamzer. We don't follow that opinion, but there is an opinion that says that the child is a mamzer. Why would you think the child's a mamzer? He says that when it comes to a non-Jewish slave, uh, having sexual relations with a Jewish woman, that I understand, because that is a Torah prohibition. But he says that for a, if it's not a non-Jewish slave, if it's a, just a, a, a regular case of a non-Jew having sexual relations with a Jewish woman, that is actually not a Torah prohibition. The Torah prohibition is to intermarry. It's to marry a non-Jew. But there's no Torah pro- prohibition to have sexual relations uh, for a, with a non-Jew. And if there's no Torah prohibition, why would the child be a mamzer on a biblical level? That's his question with, a, with, with regards to a, uh, a sexual relationship between a Jew and a non-Jew. Why would the child be viewed as a mamzer if it's not a Torah prohibition on a biblical level? It is a, it is a rabbinic prohibition. It's a long-standing rabbinic prohibition already from the times of, the, of, the, of, the, uh, of shame and aver going all the way back. Uh, so it's a long-standing rabbinic prohibition, but at the end of the day, it's not a Torah prohibition. So why would the child be a mamzer on a biblical level? So Tosus gives two answers. His first answer, his second answer, which we'll give first, is that it's true. He's not a mamzer on a biblical level. He's only a mamzer on a rabbinic level, but not on a biblical level because it's not as severe of a prohibition. It's not a Torah prohibition. The second answer is that no, he is a mamzer even on a biblical level. And the reason for it is because the assumption to the question is that you're only a mamzer based on the severity of the prohibition. And since it's not a Torah prohibition, it's not as severe, and so therefore the child should not be a mamzer. The second opinion says that's incorrect. That assumption is incorrect. That the status of a mamzer in a biblical level does not depend on the severity of, of the sin, but it depends upon whether or not the parents have the ability to get married. Does the father and mother of this child have the ability to halakhically get married? Usually that depends on the severity of the sin. However, you could come up with a scenario, i.e. our case, a Jew and a non-Jew, where even though the prohibition to have sexual relations is not on a biblical level, however, the Torah does say that it's impossible for it to be viewed as a halakhically valid marriage. And since it's not viewed as a halakhically valid marriage, the child is a mamzer. So these are two, even on a biblical level, these are two different ways of understanding what creates a mamzer. Is it the severity of the sin of the parents? Or, says Tosos, 
and this is the opinion that he says is, is the correct opinion, is it based on the fact that the parents cannot halakhically get married, which would be this, the, which would be true when it comes to a Jew and a non-Jew having a child. They cannot, even though for them to have sexual relations is only a rabbinic prohibition, but they cannot halakhically get married on a biblical level, and so therefore the child is a mamzer even on a biblical level. So that's the end of Tosis. Again, we don't follow this position that says that the child is a mamzer for, for other reasons. We, we are of the opinion that if you have a non, non-Jewish father and a Jewish mother, that the child is kosher and could marry anybody within the Jewish uh, people. Okay. The Gemara now continues and goes on a tangent. goes on a short tangent and it says as follows. Amr Rabbi Yonasan says, and they're quoting from a verse that we mentioned uh, on the first side of this daf, on Tezayin and Aleph, which is why probably why it's being quoted here. We quote a verse, we quoted the verse from Tehillim. Tehillim was written by David, Hamalach by King David, excuse me, which says that um, I have I was young and I'm I've also aged. I'm Zakanti, I'm I'm older now. So who who's who's saying this verse? And so Rabbi Yonasan says it, it's the minister of the world, Sarah Olam, which is referring to an angel, because it can't be referring to Hashem and it can't be referring to David. David who wrote Tehillim, it can't be referring to me either. Why not? There's no such thing as old age before Hashem. There's no concept of time when it comes to Hashem. So you can't say that he can't refer to himself as being old. If you're going to tell me that David HaMelech, King David, wrote it, was he really so old? How can he say that he was so old? You can't say that he was so old. Rather, it means it's referring to an angel who said this. And by an angel, you could have a concept of old age. Okay, another tangent of the Gemara, also from the same person, Rabbi Yonasan, Rabbi Yonasan, Rabbi Yonasan says the following, What does it mean in the verse in Eicha, when it comes to the destruction of the temple, that the enemy spread out his hands all over, over all her treasures? What, what are all of her treasures referring to? What's this story referring to? It's referring to the people of Amunu Moab. What happened? When they went to, when the enemies went and entered into the base of Migdash, so everyone turned their attention to silver and gold, and they, the people of Amun and Moab, they went to the Sefer Torah, they went to the Torah scrolls, and they said, the Torah says that you're not allowed to marry somebody who's a descendant of the people of Amun and Moab, and as to why is a separate discussion, it's not for now. But it says, Yisarif Beish, it says it, and so the people of Amun Moab, they went to the Torah and they burnt this Torah scrolls, because it says that you're not allowed to marry them, and so they burnt the Torah scrolls in fire. So another reason why we have this is because we also just mentioned in the line that says that, oh, the enemies, they all went to get gold and silver, but there was a group of 12,000 or 18,000 that went and violated the daughters of Yerushalayim, so here too, there was a group of people that also didn't go after the gold and silver. Instead, they ran towards the Torah scrolls and they burnt the Torah scrolls. Okay, that is another tangent. And finally, one last statement, another verse from Echa. Tziva Hashem Tziva Tzarav. God has decreed concerning Yaakov that those who surround him should be his enemies. Omar Rav, what is Rav says, who is this referring to? Kagon Hamanya Lefum Nahara. It's referring to the fact that even when the Jews went into exile, they, had to, they were forced to leave, still they were surrounded by 
their enemies. While they were in exile, while they were in Bavel, they were still surrounded by uh, their enemies. They were living amongst their enemies. Okay, one last uh, statement of, of the Gemara here. Amar of Yehuda, Amar of Asi. Rav Asi says, new statement. We know of the concept of the ten lost tribes. That Sancherim uh, put into exile ten tribes, and they're referred to as the ten lost tribes. And we don't know, we don't know exactly who they are today. So Rav Asi says that nowadays, he's referring to in his time when a if a if a if a if a Jew marries if a Jewish woman marries uh, a Jew, uh, uh, sorry, a non-Jew. So then we have to be concerned that it's a halachically valid marriage, even though when a, a Jew and a non-Jew get married, they attempt to get married, it's not viewed as halachically valid. But he says that we do have to be concerned. Why do we have to be concerned? Because maybe they, the non-Jew is a descendant from the ten lost tribes. There's a concern that maybe it's from the ten lost tribes, and if if, the, if this is a descendant from the ten lost tribes, so then it would be viewed as a halachically Valid marriage. So the Gemara asks, of a called the parish, move parish. But we have a concept in Jewish law that we follow the majority. There's a rule that we follow the majority. So we should follow the majority here. And the majority is certainly not from the ten lost tribes. So why don't we follow the majority? So the Gemara answers a concept which is uh, which is found elsewhere. There is a concept that when you, when you know that there are people, for example, in our case, if you know that there, is, there exists uh, people from the Ten Lost Tribes within a certain city, even if they consist of the minority, even within that city, but we know that they exist, they are kavua, they are established there. So even if they're in the minority, we have to be concerned for, because they are present in that area, we have to be concerned even for the minority. Uh, because it, they, they are settled there and the question comes from that city, so therefore we have to be concerned for the minority. And essentially what the Gemara is saying is that it's true. When it comes to the rest of the world, uh, so then we follow the majority, and the majority, they don't come from the Ten Lost Tribes, therefore we don't, we're not concerned uh, for them marrying a descendant from the Ten Lost Tribes. However, we're specifically referring to cities where we know that it's established where there are people there from the Ten Lost Tribes. We know that they exist, that the people did live there. And for you to go and marry somebody from that area, from that area where they settled, so then in such a scenario, uh, we do follow the minority. Now, exactly when we follow the minority, when we follow the majority is really a bigger discussion. It's not for now. But in such a scenario, the Gemara says that we would follow the minority. And how do we know which places? What are these places? The Gemara explains, The Amar Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana, because the Pasuk tells us where they went to. They went to these different cities. And the Gemara explains, Chalach is Chalzon, which is the name of a river. Another place is Chajav, which is today northern Iraq. There's another place called Ginzak, which is uh, thought to be referring to a place in northeastern Syria. And the cities of, when the verse says Arimadai, it's referring to Hamdam, which is a city in western Iran. And its neighboring towns. There are others who say that it's referring to Nahar, a city south of Hamdan. 
and its neighboring towns. Amar Shmuel, the Gemara asks Chavrosa Aman, where who are these neighboring towns? Amar Shmuel, Karach Moshe Chidki Vidum Makia, Amar Yochanan Vechulon Levsol. It mentions the neighboring cities, and Rabbi Yochanan says Vechulon Levsol that all these descendants, even if they're Jewish, but they, he says they're Oral Mamzerim for a different reason, but it's because they they engaged in incest. And so therefore their, their children are mamzer. That's what Rabbi Yochanan says. Okay, but the point of the Gemara is to say that we're really, we're not concerned for uh, a non-Jew being part of the descendants of the ten tribes if, uh, of the ten lost tribes, if it's outside of these cities, because we follow the majority, but within these cities, we won't follow the majority because they've been established there. And even if they're the minority, because they're settled there and they're established there, within those cities, we will be concerned for the minority. This uh, third recording ends the daf uh, for this week. I just want to add another, another another additional bonus point, and then we'll conclude. We said here that Rav Asi says that we're concerned that if you if somebody if a Jew marries a non-Jew from these cities, that there's a concern that they are descendants from the ten lost tribes. Now there is a very interesting discussion here. To, what does it mean that they are the descendants of the ten lost tribes? So Tosvos is of the opinion that they are descendants. Meaning that they are descendants of the ten lost tribes, and they're they're it's coming from the the side of their of the mothers that the the mothers had uh, children, and as such uh, they uh, they they come from the mothers, and therefore they're still Jewish. There's concern that they're still Jewish because Jew, according to, as we as we know that uh, you can only be a Jew if your mother is Jewish, and so therefore they're all descendants from. The mother, and that is the position of Tosfos. Rashi here argues, and we're not going to explain exactly why he argues, but Rashi argues, and he says that the case here—it's very interesting—the case here is where it's a Jewish father and a non-Jewish mother. That's what Rashi says, and still the child is viewed as Jewish, even though it comes from a non-Jewish mother. The child is a is is he says is a mamzer. The child would be uh, would be a mamzer. Uh, but it's coming from a non-Jewish mother. And so Rashi says that there is such an opinion out there. We don't follow, I guess, again, we don't follow this opinion. We say that uh, it all goes based on the mother. Uh, but he does quote an opinion that says that even if you have a case where it's the, fa- the father is Jewish and the, and the mother is not Jewish, then there will be patrilineal descent, but the child will still be a mamzer. According to his opinion, the child would be a mamzer, but we would go after the father to say, that the child is Jewish. Again, we don't follow that position, but he does quote this opinion, and he, he thinks that uh, what's quoted on the Gemara here is of that opinion. Okay, this concludes the uh, the blot, the Gemara for this week.